1: Run your law firm the right, the right way This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast Maximum Lawyer Podcast Your hosts Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix Let's partner up and maximize your firm Welcome to the show Welcome back
2: to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast I'm Jim Hacking and I'm Tyson Mutrix What's up Jimmy? Oh Tyson. We've been recording a lot of episodes lately, and this episode will actually come out in early March, and I think that the early bird pricing will have ended for the conference, but we've been getting lots of sign-ups lately, so I'm excited about that.
3: Yeah, we had our biggest, I think it was our biggest day yesterday in months. And part of it had to do with the we released the agenda, so if you haven't seen the agenda yet, go take a look. It's, in my opinion, obviously I'm biased, Jimbo, but it's pretty badass. It, it's a pretty awesome agenda.
2: Yeah, and I was thinking, man, even for the full price, it's still, I mean, so much value. We're gonna have two tracks this year, so that's exciting. And I think people were excited, as I predicted, when the agenda itself came out.
3: Yeah, it's a pretty ambitious agenda that we that we have. We've we're gonna have to stick to our time slots, because it's gonna be again that more like that TED style talks for for some of these small sessions, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think the other stuff that we have planned, it's gonna be a lot of fun too. Kristen, the magician, is gonna be there. It's just gonna be a fun time. All
2: right. Well, speaking of a fun time, I'm excited to uh, have our guest on today. He's been a member of the group for a while. He was invited back in the day by Matty Martin. His name's Matt Yasmin and he's a patent uh, lawyer from Boston, Mass. So, welcome to the show, Matt.
4: Thanks, Jim. Hi, Tyson. Thanks for having me on, guys.
3: We're excited to have you on, Matt. So, talk to, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are right now.
4: Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, I started out as a well as a nerd and a scientist. Back before law school. And I was going to grad school to be a research scientist. Uh, that didn't work out kind of terrible career paths in that field, unfortunately. And so I left not for lack of love of the material, but just because I, I needed a more reliable career. And I worked in computers for a number of years at a publishing company in a role that kind of combined computer work and client support. And it Turns out, I think, to have been great training for solo practice because a lot of the things that I did there in a 30,000-person multinational publishing company apply to solo practice really well. And after that, I lived overseas for a year with my wife, which was a great year, and then went to law school. I worked at a big firm for two years. And uh, you might think with my tech background that I would have headed right for patent law, but I didn't at all, I really stumbled into it, or, or it found me, and uh, in my solo practice, where I've been for about eight years, that's what I've focused on, is IP work, patent, trademark as well, and contracts related to those. Not general contracting, but if someone's trying to transfer their IP, or if a business attorney colleague of mine, say, needs someone to look at the IP either underlying a transaction or work on the IP clauses for a merger or other transfer, then I'll step in on those. It's been my journey. It's not what I expected at all when I went to law school, but I love it.
2: That's great, Matt. So talk to us a little bit about the patent law community. And I know that there are a lot of engineers in there. And specifically what I'm wondering is, what do they generally think about marketing?
4: <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a great question, Jim. Let's see. The patent law community is terrific. It's been such a wonderful and welcoming community to be a part of and, you know, really fascinating, hardworking, thoughtful people across a whole range. I mean, you know, pick any tech area and not just the ones that spring to mind, say, like software or medical devices, but also, you know, agronomy and textile science and materials science. All of these things still have tremendous innovation across the boards. The patent lawyers, it's a great community. I've been involved with the local community here in Boston where I'm based and with national organizations as well. And marketing is not something that I see a ton of from most patent attorneys. There are a few I know who are active at it in, you know, blogs or articles in a couple in making videos and course, there's, you know, more traditional attorney marketing, although maybe attorneys don't think of it that way. Things like speaking at conferences, you know, to present your expertise to other attorneys or to folks in a particular industry. But I think for most attorneys, that sort of marketing is alien. And I think for many patent attorneys, it might be more alien because we came, most of us from background as engineers or as scientists and you know putting yourself out there and being out in front of people as a marketer and as a salesperson is not i think something that that engineers and scientists tend to do not that i see a lot of
3: what's interesting with what you do is that it's you you know the technical side of it from the legal standpoint but you also you it seems like you know the technical part of it from the business standpoint which is pretty crucial Will you talk a little bit about how that helps you with your practice?
4: Oh yeah, sure. Thanks, Tyson. It's been a huge help to me. I consider myself really fortunate in a lot of ways. One of the things I did in my background in between in between science grad school and working in computers at the publishing company, I ran my own software consulting business for about two years. And I had to develop these skills at business development and at marketing. My own practice. You know, at the time it was a, a software consultancy, but now I use those same skills towards running and marketing my own law practice. And they are not technical skills that I learned in grad school or, or college. And they're certainly nothing that I learned in law school. They are, I don't know, I don't want to say soft skills because I hear that phrase used and it, I feel like it denigrates those skills in some way and they are crucial. I couldn't run my practice without the the software stack that I use or without the marketing marketing practices that I've, you know, read about, that I've learned from people who've been doing it, some in the legal field, some not. There's a host of business books that I've read on marketing and on, you know, relationship building and client management that have been I think, as important as any legal skills to to run in my practice. I think most lawyers would say the same. What do you guys think?
3: Absolutely. I think,
2: yeah, I think absolutely, too, for sure. Matt, talk to us a little bit about that tech stack, like, talk to us about, I, I don't even know how your workflow, like, how does a new case come in, and then how do you process it? Yeah,
4: sure. So, I get my work mostly from two avenues at present. One are referrals. And one are people finding me online. People find me online from blog posts, from, you know, searching on Google and they, they see my blog posts or my videos now, which I need to credit you guys and the maximum lawyer group for because it's, it's you who have motivated me to finally make videos. So thank you for that. People find my reviews because I ask clients to review me and I know I mean, to you guys, it's not news, right? But when people search for an attorney and they see a bunch in a results on their, you know, internet search engine of choice, right? And one of them has a bunch of good reviews and another doesn't, they're going to go with the person who has the good reviews. And I also get clients from referrals, you know, other attorneys, other, you know, just anybody I know. When I get a contact, my my workflow now is to suck that in, to I push people to an online form that I've built that walks them through four or five short pages and gathers info on, you know, background info, who they are, who they work for, if anyone, who would the client be, what kind of work would it be? And that's my conflict check and client intake form. I keep it as short as I can. I wish it were shorter, but, you know, we need to gather some of this info. I pull that into my practice management system, I run my search, and I'm working on building out a Zap, uh, with Zapier to automate that. And then I have them sign an engagement agreement. I've been using electronic signature platforms for engagements for, I think, five or six years. And the workflow I have set up now is, when I get a new contact, I send them an email using Text Expander, which I love. I mean, I I could go on about text expander for twice the length of any podcast, I think. The stock email that I send to them has a link, you know, text and an explanation and a link to the conflict check form and a link to the engagement agreement. When you complete the conflict check form online, you get a confirmation email and a link to the engagement agreement. The engagement agreement is just a template. You hit it, you sign it. I sign it after I run my conflicts check and then I'll take payment and I take, you know, credit cards, e-checks. I guess wire transfers if anybody really wants to bother with that. And you know, I I don't send the payment request out until we've got the engagement signed for I think obvious reasons. And once we've done that, we're off to the races. You know, for patent and trademark matters, I've got more online forms that I use for gathering the info I need to, you know, start writing the patent application or start preparing the trademark application. So, my goal is to make it as frictionless as possible. And I'll tell you bluntly, as I describe this to you, I, I'm aware that there's not a ton of interaction between me and the potential client in there. It's not that there's zero. You know, I'm happy to have a short phone call and we'll send emails back and forth. But first, I want the process to be as simple as possible for people who want to go along with it. And second, this is really something of a screening mechanism for clients also if clients either refuse to use what i think are pretty straightforward online systems or can't use them to me that's a red flag that it might be a difficult client for me and might not be the right fit for me and my practice that's that's my workflow to get somebody in the door and up to speed
3: in my mind and this is this is me just be in my mind cuz i don't I don't know how your business works, but it seems like there would be a really big lull between the time that they sign up, you do the initial work, and then the wait to find out if they get the patent, if they get the trademark, whatever it may be. And again, I may be wrong about that, but what do you do about the market? Because it seems like a good opportunity to market between signing them up, doing the initial work, and waiting. How do you deal with that lull?
4: Oh, sure. Yeah, great question. The process I just described, that's just to get started on the project that doesn't get an application written and filed that's just to to my intake steps for a new client but you're absolutely right you know once someone is in we take the time to prepare the application with a trademark i mean in theory we could do it same day although it's often difficult with a patent nothing other than an emergency filing is same day trademarks more typically we're going to take a couple weeks patents often you know 1 to 2 months to get it prepared and filed But your question, what happens once it's filed? Well, yeah, there can be a big lag. With trademarks, the office typically takes about three months to get back to you. And with patents, they typically take two to three years at present to get back to you from your first application, from your your application. And after that, it might easily be years more of back and forth arguing with the office. They're not staffed to the point where they have faster turnaround times. And I wish they were, but they're not. So during that time, I regularly check in with clients, depending on what we filed, you know, to say, hey, this is what's happening and this is what's gonna happen next, or this is how long it's likely to be before we hear back. And I wanna tell you about one other software product I used to help me manage that. It's a subscription service called SaneBox, based here in Boston, and It's for email management and email filtering, and it does a great job of that. And it's got this reminder feature where when you send a message, you tell it, I want this back in my inbox, you know, at either on this day or at this time or after so many, you know, days, weeks, months have passed, and it shows back up. It is effective, and it's simple, and it's the lightest weight reminder system that I've found because things just reappear in your inbox when you want them to huge plug for it. So Matt, uh, everything you said so far with the automation sounds great. Do you have help with your team? Well, I don't at present. I've tried a VA in the past and I think I should blame myself. I think I didn't choose wisely enough and it didn't work out. I would like to, and I've considered a lot of the remote answering services, uh, I think maybe I'll let you guys plug one, but the the one that I want to demo and try is smith.ai, and I I think you guys know them. I think for me, that's the logical next step. You know, my practice is not like a real estate practice where I've got crazy high volume of clients all the time, and that's not the practice that I've wanted to build. But the phone, for me, and I think this is true for many attorneys, can be a distraction the middle of something and I know it's better if it gets answered and I just can't do that all the time as a solo. So I think that's the the first place that I want to look for outside help.
3: So let's go down this path a little bit more though. So you 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 are solo now let's say five years from now where where are you in five years? Where do you want to see yourself? Where are you in 10 years? You know, like where are you in 20 years? I, I'm curious about where you can actually drive traffic with it, which is what I find interesting. It's like selling a product where you can push it. Because I'd say probably everyone listening to this has an idea in their brain about a patent that they want. And so you, you, I think you would come up with some clever ads to drive traffic. So, but maybe you don't want to do that. So where, where are you seeing this thing headed?
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, first, I would say, you know, anyone who's listening to this, if you've got an idea in your head and you think you want to explore a patent, you know, consider giving me a call. I'd be happy to chat with you about it. I give them a call. Absolutely. Six one seven three four zero nine two nine five. Or my nice. email is hello at yostinlaw dot com. Yeah, yeah. So uh that aside, I'm not certain. Uh you know, I've I've been solo for about eight years and the the practice that I have now is terrific for me and my life. Uh you know, I'm married, I've got two young kids. Our lives are busy and full and happy, and I like the level that my practice is at it 's something that you know I can do on the road if I need to attend to it while we 're on a trip, and I can do it from you know from my office, from a coffee shop, from a library in a town, anywhere I can sit down and have decent internet, I can run it if I were to grow, I would definitely maintain that virtual model and I think that's a challenge, you know, because if you hire someone who's not very experienced, they, you know, they need and they deserve a lot of training and supervision. It's a challenging area of the law. And I've had student interns over several semesters, uh, not this semester. I just felt I couldn't take one on and give them the supervision that the student would need. But the previous, I think, five Six semesters, I'd had a student intern. And it's a great experience for me and for them, but it's also made it clear to me that someone right out of school is going to need a large amount of training. There's, there's no way around that. And, you know, right now, I am not looking to hire anyone or grow my practice beyond what I can do myself. And five years from now, as you know, my kids are in high school, it might be more attractive. You know, 10 years from now, when my kids are in college or out of college, uh, it could make a lot more sense for me. 20 years from now, yeah, I think by then I would probably want to, because I know you know, trying to sell a solo practice at, you know, when you're nearing retirement is a really hard thing to do. You know, I've spoken with colleagues who are, you know, Farther into practice than I am, and with colleagues who work with attorneys and other uh, small businesses, you know attorneys in solo and small practices and other you know non-attorney small businesses about having a transition plan and trying to value and sell your business at the end of your practice when you're ready to retire, and it's a hard thing to do as a solo. So, you know, maybe 10 years from now is when I feel like I'm ready to start on hiring and training. But ask me in three years, and maybe I change my mind.
2: We'll pause for a word from our sponsor, who is Smith AI that Matt just mentioned.
1: Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plants start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's maxlaw A W ONE ZERO ZERO. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. We're back with Matt Yospin. He's a patent lawyer out of the Boston,
2: Mass area. We're glad to have him on the show. I think that's the first time we've had a guest actually plug their service on our show. And I think that's great.
4: Uh, (laughs) Wait, wait, should should I be embarrassed about this?
2: No, No, absolutely not. (laughs) It's great. I I actually think sort of like with immigration, a lot of lawyers don't know where to send patent lawyers. And because it's federal, you can do it in all 50 states, which is great. Uh, Matt, one of the things that I've noticed and that caught my eye this year is that you have been posting a video every day for uh, all of 2020. Talk to us about that process and how you've enjoyed it or, or what you've learned.
4: Ah, oh, Well, first, as I said earlier, credit to, to you guys and the Maximum Lawyer Group for getting me to do this. And I have a confession to make. I have been meaning to make videos for marketing for about four years. And I have been procrastinating the entire time on it out of fear of doing it badly and fear of looking like a buffoon and, you know, not liking the way my voice sounds and just making up any sort of excuse that I can for myself for not making videos. And when I saw you post the challenge, I thought, okay, I'm going to make myself do this and I'm going to figure it out. And I've really enjoyed it. It's, been a tremendous challenge you know the the maximum lawyer group and some other people i know many people have been uh, let's say not shy about giving me feedback which i really appreciate i'm going to i'm going to give myself another plug if you're if you're listening to this please give me any feedback you have about my videos i welcome it because i want to make them as good as i possibly can one challenge for me uh, that i'll point out in particular is that i wear glasses and i can't take them off i would not be able to see my camera from two feet away. And so having lights reflecting in my glasses was a significant challenge. And one person, and I don't wanna call him out, but I, he knows that I appreciate it, called me on this and said, you've gotta fix this. And he sent me a video that some videographer had made about the challenge of lighting people wearing glasses to photograph them or take videos. And I now own two nice, light boxes, you know, lights with big diffusive screens over them and reflectors. I think it's improved the quality of my videos, uh, at least I I certainly hope it has. And I've had to focus on a lot of other aspects of it, framing and positioning and what's in the background and what's going on outside. I would say some of my earlier videos and maybe some of my more recent ones are not not great, I would say from a technical standpoint, but I've decided I'm just going to leave them up anyhow. If I want to reshoot the topic that I've covered, I will. But part of my part of my marketing strategy for uh, just about the entire time I've been in practice has been to write blog posts. I try to write them in a question and answer style, so that when I get a question, I will write an answer to it. Often I'll email it and then turn it into a blog post. I've kept for years a list of topics to try to answer, and I have adapted that style to the videos. I hope it works. I think it works. And there are there are more of these questions in my list than I think I will ever get to. So I'm pretty confident that I will have an inexhaustible supply of things to talk about. the The bigger challenge is taking the time to make the videos and you know to not let my uh, my inherent perfectionism stop me from doing it. And really, I think that's that's one of the biggest reasons that I waited on doing this, procrastinated on doing this, and I've had to push myself to apply the 80/20 rule and just go forward with it. With you know, done is better than perfect, and get videos out there.
3: All right. So I hate to do this, Matt, but I've got to go to court, and so I've got to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. But more importantly, sign up for the conference because we just posted the agenda. And if you don't go, you're missing out. Sorry, you're going to have FOMO. <laughs> you are definitely going to have FOMO because it is the best agenda we put together. It's going to be the best conference we put together. And I can already, I'm confident in telling you that already. It's pretty awesome. Uh, so make sure you go sign up there. MaxLawCon.com, you can sign up or you can find it through the Facebook group, and you can also um, find the hotel rate, um, the, the code through the Facebook group. Jimbo, what is your hack of the week? All right. So my hack of the week is a little bit different this week. I was
2: contacted by one of our Facebook group members yesterday. He's been a longtime member of the group. I'm not going to say his name, but he also even came to the conference last year. And he told me something that really surprised me. He had never listened to an episode of the podcast. In fact, he wasn't, sure crazy. How to, he wasn't sure how to access podcasts on his iPhone. So I walked him through there and I was really happy to do that with him and to talk to him about that. And so my tip is, and I know this sounds strange, if you haven't listened to the old podcast, we have about 190 episodes now, which is something like 95 hours or so or more of probably 100 hours worth of content on running your firm and marketing. So some of those old episodes, are my favorites. You know, we have the one with Will Norman that we did, which I think has historically been lo- the most listened to one about going solo. And then we have my favorite my favorite one of all time, which was Law Firm Roulette, where we picked a city in California, picked a practice area, and then critique people's websites. So I think that there's a lot of gold in the old episodes. So I would encourage people, if this is your first episode, to go back and listen to some old ones and just find topics that interest you.
3: Love it, that's a good one. I'm I'm still just like, it Boggles my mind whenever people say that they, they, like someone even posted on a a comment Facebook group, like what podcast are you all talking about? I'm like, what are you talking about? This all started with a podcast, kind of crazy. All right, Matt, what is your tip or hack of the week? My tip of
4: the week is to play with the tools that you already have, whatever software, whatever hardware you're already using, Don't be afraid to play around with it and to find other ways to use it. And I say this for two reasons. One, because as lawyers, we tend to be cautious, and as adults, we tend not to value play enough. But whenever I think about how I learn something new, I always just think, well, I'm going to play around with it and see what I can find and see what I can do. That's the same reason kids play, right? They play to learn. If you take what you're already using and you you tinker with it. You'll find out ways that you can make your practice more efficient, make your work easier. And so my tip is don't be afraid to play around with what you're already using.
3: That's great advice. I I love that advice. All right. So for my tip, it was actually a gift that was given to me on my birthday and it is awesome. It is Rocketbook. So I received a, a notepad, which is one part of it, where Basically, you can take pictures of your notes. It basically, it basically, it's a reusable notebook that will automatically go to um, whatever cloud you want it to go to. It's got a, different, a lot of different options. The cooler part of it, though, are these beacons that you can buy. So they're these Rocketbook beacons, and there's four of them. And you put them on your whiteboard in the shape of a square or, or a rectangle, and it will take a snapshot of whatever you've written on the whiteboard. So if you ever found yourself taking pictures of the whiteboard to save what you had just uh, drawn on the whiteboard, you don't have to do that anymore. You, you put the beacons on the wall, you do snap it with your phone, but then it automatically will save to whatever cloud service you want it to. So I, you can have it set up. You have multiple sources you can set it up to. You can have it texted to you. You can have it slack to you. You can have it go to Dropbox, Google Drive, a lot of other different ones. It's, it's freaking awesome. It's, it's, it's really cool. So it's, it's really easy to use. I set it up yesterday, used it right away. Super easy. So, All right, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Tyson, Jim, thank you
4: both so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys at the Maximum Lawyer Conference this June. Thanks,
3: Thanks buddy. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.
5: Hey, this is Tyson Mutrix again. And really quick, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, can you imagine what it would be like to experience this for two days with 300 other insane Maximum Lawyers who are just like you, think like you, believe like you, and have a vision like you? If you'd like to do that, then you need to be at this year's Maximum Lawyer Conference coming up very, very soon. If you don't have your tickets yet, go to maxlawcon.com. It'll give you the ability to come to a place with a whole bunch of people who think like you, believe like you, who see visions like you of what they can create and what they can become. Maximum Lawyer Conference is not just a marketing event. It's not just a personal development event. It's both of those things wrapped into one and as an experience it will change your life forever so make sure you get your tickets if you haven't yet go to maxlawcon.com and get your tickets after you get your tickets you'll be there with 300 other insane crazy fun maximum lawyers talking about how to grow their businesses sharing all of the best marketing secrets the things that are working today you've got to get your tickets now by going to maxlawcon.com thanks so much and i'll see you in st louis